Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And we are talking about a fun one today. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the fossa, um, which I'm just going to give a little fun fact real quick before we talk about it. It is the top predator on the island of Madagascar where it lives. And after we talk about it more, it'll probably seem a little bit surprising, but it, it's true. Yep. So to describe a fossa is, it's a little odd. It is a definitely a unique creature. Um, it's usually described as almost looking cougar-like, where it's almost like a smaller cougar. They don't get that big. Um, Size-wise, um, they get about uh, like two, two and a half feet length. Uh, not too big. But that being said, their tail is just as long. Usually their tail is as long, if not a little shorter, than their body. Uh, which we'll talk about why that why they have that and then weight they only get on at like on average around like 20 pounds like they are they are tiny little creatures um they are endemic to like julia said they are endemic to the island of madagascar they are the largest carnivore on the island of madagascar which makes sense because it's not a huge island so there's probably not a lot of creatures um anything that would have been there a while ago probably died out if it was larger just because there's not enough uh food source there um but the the fossa, like we said, it's look like a small cougar. The closest relative to it, though, is a mongoose, actually. Um, that is the closest thing to it. But it's just so interesting because it looks so feline. It really does look so cat-like. Then as for color, it's usually like a brownish, reddish gray, somewhere in there. Like brown, red, gray, somewhere along there. Probably usually depending on where in Madagascar it lives sort of thing. And then its eyes are also very feline. Its eyes will do, um, they're the slit pupils, similar to a feline or a cat, uh, any cats. And something that I talked about in the Glyptodon episode that I finally had, there was words for the researching this. It is a thing called convergent evolution. So I talked about the Glyptodon, how even though the Glyptodon was millions of years apart from the dinosaur, the ankylosaur, they were so similar. And it's because of that phrase, convergent evolution. Their, their situations and environments were so similar that evolution created another creature that was the same. So the fossa, it's a convergent evolution with a cat or like a cougar or any like small cat since it's smaller. Their situations are so similar. Their environment's so similar that evolution ends up making this cre- these creatures that they're not related, but they're so similar in design. And just going along their general diet and eating habits, the fossil we talked about is the top predator. It is a carnivorous species. It feeds on animals such as fish, birds, mice, wild pigs, but their main diet is lemurs. And they're actually the only animal that can hunt the biggest lemur on the island, uh, which is really interesting to think about. 
and their hunting tactics, um, similar to uh, big cats, is kind of like an ambush where they will chase their animal down because they are so like agile and quick and they are able to, you know, they're as fast on ground as they are in trees. They're really good climbers. They're really nimble, um, which just helps make them the top predator. And the uh, the fossa is actually an apex predator on the island of Madagascar. There is nothing that preys on it. Because um, like we said, it's the largest carnivore. There are not a lot of carnivores on the island. So the fossa is really the apex predator of the island of Madagascar. And then so fossas are ready to reproduce at about four years old, is around four to five years old, uh, which is about a third of the way through their life. They usually live about 15 years in the wild. And reproduction is interesting because it's that whole idea of males fighting for a female. But what is interesting is the female does not seem to pick the male for mating based on size. Usually that's what it is, is they usually go with the biggest, the strongest male, when that doesn't really seem to be the case with fossas, uh, which is very fascinating. And when they do decide to uh, reproduce, they will do it in trees. They don't do it on the ground. And usually it's about eight to nine different males competing for one female. And over the course of several days, the female will reproduce with multiple males. And the idea behind that is, is to increase the odds that the female does get pregnant. Um, to help boost their numbers as much as they possibly can. And their actual mating process in the tree lasts for hours. And the main reason behind this is because the male's uh, reproductive organ, I will say, has backward pointing spines on it to where after they reproduce, it takes a little bit of time to basically uh, maneuver out without hurting one another. And so that's why it takes a couple hours just to reproduce and get out without hurting one another. Um, But it's also interesting because we talked about how they mate in the trees. The tree will be used, basically I I call it like mating grounds as a mating tree. After one female is done, another female will move to the tree and the process will happen all over again. Um, And then when the females actually do give birth, they'll give birth to about two to four babies every year, which is, I guess, typical what we would see with, like, uh, big cats, how they have about, you know, two to, like, six babies on average. Um, And the babies will stay with their mom for about one to two years just to learn, you know, the hunting techniques of their species. And also when the baby fossils are born, they're actually born blind and with no teeth. So they don't open their eyes until at least a few weeks after they are born. And they will uh, be weaned a few months after uh, they have been born. So they're predominantly living off their mom's milk for that while, while, the, while the teeth grow in, while they grow, get bigger, get stronger. And one of the biggest ways that fossas communicate with each other is scent. They actually don't have a lot of vocalizations. One of the only times that you actually hear them vocalizing is during reproduction. But they have these scent-producing glands that they rub everywhere uh, as because it's usually the scent-producing glands are usually on their stomach and chest. So they're able to rub it on the ground, on rocks, on trees to kind of mark territory, let other fossils know like how they're feeling, who's here, like that sort of thing. So that's a very interesting uh, form of communication as compared to other large predators. And just a couple of fun facts I have, um, which kind of adds on to what we just talked about. When they are angry or irritated, they will actually release a, like, stinky smell. Um, 
they're not sure exactly sure why they do this. It might be like an old defensive technique that they haven't quite got rid got rid of yet. Um, but they will release a stinky smell when they're like angry. Um, another one is is that the fossa, although you know it doesn't have any natural predators, it is hunted by some of like the local tribes as bushmeat in the and like tribes and villages, um, which isn't very common, but that we do see it sometimes. And then the last one that I have is that they are protected by what is called a fatty or a taboo, which basically is it's an agreed like prohibition on something. And in this case, it's an agreed prohibition to not endanger the fossa um, because it is feared by some of the local people as well. And with that fear, there's actually a few myths and legends about the fossa. And I'll go over them quickly real quick. Uh, so one of them is that the scent left by fossas is actually able to kill poultry. So the smell itself is enough to kill poultry. Uh, the other idea is that they're able to, or they will go into homes and steal sleeping babies from their cribs. Uh, then another interesting one is that they will lick a sleeping person and it kind of hypnotizes them and puts them in a deep trance. And while the person is like in this deep trance, the fossa will disembowel the person. All of these, none of these are true. These have not happened. It's just interesting little folklore and myths that have emerged surrounding the fossa. And then just to wrap it up here, the numbers of the fossa are very unknown. It's They're hard to find. They're hard to um, graph, basically, just because of the island. And there aren't really many left on the island itself. They're listed as vulnerable, um, mainly due to habitat loss. Um, and a little fun fact that I saw was that less than 10% of it, the rainforest habitat that it naturally lives in remains in Madagascar today. So over these past decades, 90% of its habitat is lost, which is basically just moved it all into little sections. And I mean, we're, that's why they're just losing numbers day by day because there's nowhere to live anymore. And there's also the problems of, there's actually been some introduced species that have also kind of hurt the fossa because we mentioned one of the main food sources for the fossa is lemurs. One of the problem is an introduced species that's brought into Madagascar is the civet, which is a, another cat or another type of cat that hunts. And so now it has to compete with the civet for food of the lemurs. And also with the introduction of domestic dogs and cats, rabies has also been brought onto the island, which can also really hurt the population of fossas. One thing that really does help animals like this, though, and it's true for a lot of African animals, especially the way that a lot of these have been set up, is the ecotourism or like people who come to like see the animals and plant life and whatnot. It actually helps the animals because a lot of the money that the places gather from these uh, from ecotourism goes to protecting those animals, to ensuring putting them in breeding programs, helping keep uh, poachers away from them, that sort of thing. So that is one way that we are able to kind of make up for our mistakes or try to fix these populations. So that wraps up what we have on the fossa. Uh, it's a little shorter episode, but it is a really interesting animal, so I hope you learned something new. Um, our next animal is actually the black widow spider and for the month of october we're kind of doing uh halloween or spooky animals for the month so the first one that we have up is black widow spider and as always be sure to follow us on all socials which will be in the description below
I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.